Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland from Portland, Oregon, and it's Friday, June 11th. Today, back in the day on June 11th, 1914, Portland hosted the Great Oregon Balloon Race. The winner would get $3,000 in cash and prizes and the chance to compete in the International Gordon Bennett Cup Balloon Race. That was a prestigious aeronautic competition founded by one of the richest men alive, James Gordon Bennett Jr., owner of the New York Herald. The contestants had to overcome treacherous conditions on that stormy night. Most balloons got lost in a thick fog over Salem. One balloon wrecked in the middle of a lake, and its pilots had to wander the Oregon wilderness for days. Another got struck by lightning multiple times. Yet another got hit by lightning only once, causing it to crash and forcing the pilots to use a carrier pigeon to signal for help. John Watts and Roscoe Fawcett won first prize in their balloon, the Kansas City Three. They had traveled a distance of 75 miles before crashing into a mountain. Unfortunately, the pair never got to compete in the Gordon Bennett Cup. The race was canceled until 1920 due to the outbreak of World War I. And today, back in the day on June 11, 1963, Buddhist monk Thich Wong Duc self-immolated in protest at a busy Saigon intersection. The monk was protesting the persecution of Buddhist citizens at the hands of the Catholic ruling minority. Tensions were high in the wake of forced conversions and the murder of nine Buddhist protesters. South Vietnamese President Ngo Dinh Jim was a staunch Catholic trying to impose the religion on the Buddhist population with force and preferential treatment. In the days leading up to the event, the press had been informed that something big was going to happen. The image of what happened and what this Buddhist monk did was instantly an iconic symbol of protest and won the photographer Malcolm Brown the Pulitzer Prize. JFK said, quote, knows news picture in history has generated so much emotion around the world as that one. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines, and we have an interview with Alex Zielinski, news editor of the Portland Mercury. X-Ray. First up, it's time for today's quick six local rundown. Portland police are investigating a white woman who vandalized a statue in Mount Tabor. On Tuesday, Jeanette K. Grode defaced a bust of York, the only black member of Lewis and Clark's expedition. A video recording of Grode showed her screaming, quote, it's love and unity not to replace a white man with a expletive, black man. That's not expletive, unity. Grode was referencing the removal of a Harvey Scott statue, which originally stood in the same place as the York bust. Scott's statue was toppled on October 20th of 2020 after it became public knowledge that he was a militiaman who attacked and displaced the Nusqually, Muskelshoot, Pulalip, and Klickitat peoples. Just several months later, in February of 2021, the bust of York mysteriously appeared. Witnesses say that Grode returned to the York statue multiple times on Tuesday to add graffiti paint to it. She covered the base of the bust with purple graffiti and poorly drawn symbols, which appeared to reference a white supremacist conspiracy theory about the musician Prince. 
As of yet, Portland police have not arrested Grode, although she admitted to defacing the statue for racist reasons in the recording. And your daily dose of data. On June 10th, the Oregon Health Authority announced that Oregon is averaging a seven-day running total of 15,761 doses per day. They also reported that Oregon has vaccinated 67.2% of its eligible population, but we'll need to vaccinate an additional 93,234 people to reach 70% statewide. The OHA has a daily countdown on their website tracking the number of vaccines still needed to reach 70%. Roughly 159,000 people were left out of Washington's COVID vaccine lottery drawing. Washington residents who received their vaccines at both the Department of Veterans Affairs and at JBLM military base were left out of Tuesday's drawing. And many of them were angry to discover that they'd missed out on potentially winning a $250,000 cash prize. According to Governor Jay Inslee, the error occurred because the federal government doesn't have a system to share the names of the people who were vaccinated at either location with the state. And while both the feds and the state have been aware of this issue since June 4th, Washington decided to go ahead with the drawing even after knowing that nearly 160,000 people would be left out. In response to the error, Governor Inslee said he was, quote, working with the federal government to figure out if there is a way to solve the problem so that people who have received the vaccine through the federal channels could opt in. Inslee also said he hopes to have the issue resolved by the next drawing, which will happen on June 15th. A business leader from Medford said she plans to run for governor in 2022. Jessica Gomez, an entrepreneur based in the Rogue Valley, has announced her candidacy for governor of Oregon. According to Gomez, who is a Republican, her platform will focus on rebuilding Oregon's economy in the wake of the pandemic. Gomez also aims to increase funding for higher education and said lessening the cost of education will help stop the, quote, skyrocketing tuition and student debt debt that prevents all Oregonians from reaching their full potential. As of yet, all of the people who have announced their candidacies for Oregon governor are Republican. Kate Brown will be unable to serve again, having reached the end of her term limit. But even if that wasn't the case, Oregonians would be unlikely to elect her again. In a March 2021 survey led by Oregon Live, only 37% of Oregon residents approved of Brown's leadership. Federal officials may move to restrict commercial and recreational salmon fishing along the West Coast. On Wednesday, the Pacific Fishery Management Council proposed a restriction on the non-tribal fishing of Chinook, Chinook salmon. According to them, drastic measures need to be taken to protect not only Chinook salmon, but the killer whales that depend on them as a primary food source. Researchers first became concerned after estimating that less than 966,000 salmon would return to the West Coast this summer. For reference, Chinook salmon populations haven't been that low since 2007. The restrictions would extend from the Puget Sound in Washington to Monterey Bay in California and would close fishing for most of the rest of the year. The Pacific Fishery Management Council is anticipating an outcry from commercial fishermen, but says that without the temporary restriction, the West Coast killer whale population faces extinction. 
If passed, this will mark one of the first times a federal agency has restricted the fishing of a species for the predator that relies on it. And finally, some good news. Portland has set up vaccine clinics in two more Boys and Girls Clubs. According to Terry Johnson, CEO of the Boys and Girls Club Portland, the clinics will offer marginalized communities access to the vaccines in, quote, spaces where they feel more comfortable. Vaccinations will be available to anyone over the age of 12, and Johnson is encouraging parents, as well as children, to sign up. The Regents Club location is offering vaccinations this Sunday, while the Southeast Herald Street location is opening their clinic on June 20th. Staff at the Boys and Girls Clubs were eager to open more clinics after first seeing success with offering vaccines through their Rockwood location. According to employees, the fact that many children and families visit the clubs on a regular basis has made setting aside time to get vaccinated exponentially easier. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Now, we hear from DJ Ambush and Morgan Jones as they speak with Alex Zelensky about a recent addition to the budget proposal aiming to reduce the number of pedestrians involved in accidents around Portland. In a last-minute update to the city's proposed budget, Portland City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty announced an expansion plan for safety traffic safety projects. Here to talk about... I'm so sorry... Here to talk with us about the unexpected announcement in, is news editor for the Portland Mercury, Alex Zelensky. Yeah, hey. Um, <laughs> so the city's budget has been um, kind of a topic of conversation for the past few weeks or, or month um, because, uh, and I think we talked about this a couple times ago, um, there were some, you know, it's a year since uh the city voted to to cut a lot of you know police budget priorities in its budget and so kind of a year later um, this year's budget looking at you know what has changed when it comes to policing and what has changed when it comes to other priorities and one of those things that um, actually you know Commissioner Joan Hardesty was really champion for and really pushing for was expanding uh, the Portland Street Response which is a program that send social workers and EMTs out to respond to um, 911 calls that uh, don't require a police officer that, you know, involve some kind of behavioral health crisis or, or uh, issue with someone who's houseless. Um, and so when there was an announcement yesterday that she was unveiling kind of a last minute amendment to the budget, that was, um, you know, I personally, I think other folks thought like, oh, this is probably about Portland Street response. But, um, she is also the um, transportation commissioner, and her office represents uh, Portland Bureau of Transportation. Mm-hmm. And um, her kind of last-minute amendment that she introduced was um, focusing on the high number of pedestrian deaths that have taken place, and uh, just this year alone, um, according to Peabody, there's been a 47% increase in traffic-related deaths. Uh, this year compared to the same time last year, um, wow. which, you know, is uh, is concerning and worth addressing. And um, Julian Hardesty's office has, has proposed a number of kind of um, uh, traditional projects and programs that would cut back 
um, and would, you know, address uh, high-speed corridors and areas where there's, um, you know, uh, more pedestrian um, fatalities uh, with, you know, little kind of tweaks and tricks that are that are known by transportation folks mm. to um, to reduce reduce fatalities. And so that was introduced yesterday during a budget meeting and um, and approved by by city commissioners. So it'll be part of the budget when it's officially voted and passed next week. Mm. So we're talking about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do we know where this funding is possibly being diverted from? Yeah, it's actually just coming from the city's general fund, which okay. is just kind of the bucket of money that um, you know the public pays into with different uh, taxes and fees, and so it's not being taken from anything. Okay. Uh, apparently, according to the uh, uh, Commissioner Hardesty's office, it was already kind of a they found an untouched bucket of, of funding <laughs> that they proposed to, to take this from. So. Unlike other kind of investments, it's not going to be cutting into to anything else. I'm sorry. <laughs> they found an untouched bucket of funding. <laughs> what? Yeah, just sitting around. <laughs> oh, that's um, where that 450 was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> found it. Love when you just stumble upon that. It's like finding um, like the city's equivalent of like finding a twenty dollar bill in an old jacket pocket. Right, right in right. the laundry. Right, laundry so, gods. Thank you. If you guys were cleaning this office, you'd see that four hundred fifty thousand dollars fell behind this cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> just one simple check. Yeah. Um, so but, if approved, yeah, I think it was set aside. It was set aside to be used for something else, maybe in the future, but. It was available um, according to their, you know, um, their economist <laughs> and their um, budget kind of gurus. It was something that could be used. Unlike another, um, this is just one of two kind of last minute amendments introduced by Joanne Hardesty. Another one uh, was proposing to cut $1 million from a um, bucket of money that had been set aside to, um, of, of, I think, about $3 million to go towards uh, cleaning up graffiti. And uh, <laughs> Hardesty suggested that $1 million of that could actually go towards providing dumpsters and kind of uh, trash um, resources and, and services to some of the um, uh, unhoused yes. encampments yes. around town, which have been um, you know, attracting uh, a lot of uh, hate and criticism from folks for yeah. for you know being messy and 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 people who live there are saying you know hey we need more just accessibility to, to dumpsters right. but yeah. that um, that amendment uh, did not pass um, because uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler and others especially Mayor Ted Wheeler, really uh, harped on the, the importance of having enough money to clean up graffiti. Wow. And not want to lose a million dollars of, of kind of that, that investment. Bad investment. That's a whole other conversation, maybe. Alex, there, uh, what you need to understand is that both of you broke both of our brains right now, and so Ambush is just like, <laughs> spinning in the corner now yeah. Uh, because it's it's just it's hard to fathom that 
that Mayor Wheeler gets to just say these things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, because he's pretty plain about it all, you know? And it's more important right now to get that graffiti cleaned up. Got to do that. Right. Then to take a third of that budget and provide services. Right. For the problem that you won't actually address or handle. So... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is responding to, you know, concerns raised by neighborhood groups and neighbors who, you know, call the, the city and kind of um, uh, complain, complain about of trash and garbage and, and maybe graffiti in their neighborhood. Um, but commissioners kind of decided that, yes, all of these things are important, um, but we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't reduce one of the the efforts to, to do another and so I guess they're, they're going to think about investing more in it later later this summer got to find another bucket yep yeah where's <laughs> the other bucket of half a mil yeah wow. just sitting around right maybe when they all return to, to city hall to their offices they'll find something uh, oh Alex yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so okay, I'm gonna try and get us back on track because I. Th- sorry for the diverting us there, but this isn't the only funding that's looking to curb traffic deaths, right? As of late, in the ODOT pledged over three million dollars for safety improvements on 82nd. Um, yeah, are there any yeah, updates this is kind on of that? Just the latest in a in a good amount. Yeah. So we've got we've got both of these. Things trying to uh, curb traffic deaths. Traffic deaths. Mm-hmm. What does the opposition look like? What do they um, there, isn't, no? there isn't too much of opposition. It seems like there's a pretty unilateral unilateral agreement that um, people want to invest and want to make sure that these, um, you know, that these areas are are safer. A lot of it, um, it's an equity issue because you know the the least safe neighborhoods for pedestrians are not really in the city's core. There, a lot of them are out in East Portland where there's not um, reliable uh, sidewalks, there's not lighting, there's not, I mean, there's 82nd Avenue is a great example of kind of one of those dangerous streets where um, it's not consistently lit uh, all the way, mm-hmm. you know, up and down the sidewalks. Um, and there are some corners where there have been a number of pedestrian deaths in just, you know, the, the last few months. And so um, there isn't a ton of pushback. It's more like who is going to pay for things. So okay. like you said, you know, last last month, uh, ODOT, the Oregon Department of Transportation, pledged to, to put $3 million, um, in safety improvements towards 82nd Avenue. And, and the weird thing about 82nd is that it's... Um, uh, at least for you know the the uh, long history, it's been owned and overseen by the state by ODOT. Right. Not it's not a city street, <laughs> and um, because it used to be kind of a, considered a, a highway that was kind of far out in Portland, and and um, then Portland grew, and, and 82nd became just kind of a, a normal thoroughfare. Yeah. And so um, and so for the longest time, you know, the state. When it 
works on improving its highways. It doesn't really prioritize a, a busy street in Portland. It prioritizes, you know, I five and kind of these bigger, mm. um, these bigger roads and bigger projects. And so uh, it's kind of neglected to upkeep 82nd. And so last uh, last month, it finally reached a decision and an agreement with Portland to um, improve some of the problems uh, with 82nd, including kind of the the, um, the speed limit in some areas and um, including, you know, it, it, you know, putting in more lights and kind of doing work. Um, and then last week, uh, ODOT suggested and, and finally came to an agreement with the city to finally transfer the power of the uh, of 82nd to the city which okay. for the longest time Portland has wanted. It's wanted control over this very main busy street that where there's been a, a lot of deaths and um, to kind of be in line with safety protocols in other ways. And so um, so that, you know, that's, that's a big step. Um, the investments that Commissioner Hardesty introduced yesterday will, um, will bolster that. But I mean, at the same time, you know, it's not just around 82nd, it's around all these different streets that they're going right. to, these, these quote-unquote kind of high-crash corridors that they want to um, invest in um, kind of traffic slowing and um, and pedestrian kind of um, uh, awareness projects around those areas to make mm-hmm. sure that this doesn't keep happening because, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's becoming a rate that's, that's really concerning the number of people who have died by uh, vehicles in, in the past mm. past several months. Before we before we have to go, uh, real mm-hmm. quickly, uh, what kind of timeline could we expect before seeing these new projects if approved? Yeah, um, it's a quick turn. So ideally within the next six months, I think at the most, wow. um, between four to six months is what uh, Commissioner Hardesty said she's told and, and instructed kind of PBOT staff to do. And I think that's uh, feasible for a lot of these programs. A lot of them are just, you know, putting up um, putting up new kind of like signs that indicate how fast you're, how fast you're going and kind of um, uh, putting in some, you know, uh, objects or not objects, but like bumps on the, the street right. to uh, slow traffic and um, in some cases, just changing, you know, just slowing the speed limit a little bit. So it's uh, all manageable and all able to be accomplished in, you know, half a year, ideally. So hopefully that will be able to see kind of dividends by the lower number of people who are injured or killed by, by cars. Hmm. Thank you so much, Alex. It's always a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yes. That was Alex Zielinski, news editor of the Portland Mercury. Tune in every Thursday at 845 to hear an update from the Mercury right here on X-Ray. Thanks to Alex for joining The Local. And a special thanks to our production team, executive editor Will Romy, supporting editors and writers John Collier, Nebraska Lucas, Joey McClone, Brian Miller, Carlos Molina, Julia Oppenheimer, Carly Quadros, Miranda Selinger, and writer Sherwood. Thanks for original journalism and research by the Lund Report, Oregon Health Authority, covid19.healthdata.org, 
the Oregon Historical Society, Portland Tribune, Portland Business Journal, KGW, The Willamette Week, Coin, Pamplin Media, OPB, K2, The Oregonian, Statesman Journal, The Scanner, and our news partners, Portland Mercury, Street Roots, Bike Portland, Portland Monthly, and Eater Portland. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in just about 30 minutes. Thank you for subscribing and giving us a review. And thank you, Democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.